If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. It's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. So I just ate an entire block of cheese, so let's see how this goes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We are recording this... uh, the day after Easter, mm-hmm. and Kat made me feel like crap on Easter. See, I just that's, no, the, you cannot project your big, sad feelings onto me. Well, you ruined my Easter. No, I put together an egg hunt with presents for you, mm-hmm. and you got me nothing. Right, and that ruined my Easter. I know that you felt badly about not getting me anything. It but ruined it. I told you not to worry about it. But it ruined my Easter. Guys, are you like this? <laughs> Seriously. Okay, there are a couple of options here. One, you can just get over it, except <laughs> that I enjoyed you hunting for Easter eggs uh-huh. and opening your presents, right. and I enjoyed that just as much as you did. Uh-huh. Or you can be a better husband and get me gifts. <laughs> like, there's only two ways to go about it. Uh, okay. All right. I will take note of that, mm-hmm. and I will try to ruin your Easter next year. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> What was your favorite present that you got? Oh, I would say the book you got me by Tyler Henry. Ah, yes. Okay. Did you start reading it yet? Not yet. No, but I'm very excited to. Once I get over being really angry about you ruining my Easter. Naturally. How about a ghost story? A good old-fashioned ghost story. Yes, please. Every Thanksgiving, Bill and Frank Watson's grandfather would tell them a ghost story. The same ghost story that he claimed was true. Their grandpa was a railroad worker, and uh, it had been and it had been for decades. He had heard the story; it had been passed down from former railroad workers and people that he trusted. Okay, it's supposed to be true. In fact, it is at least as much as we can tell. The story involved fifty-seven Irish immigrant workers who helped build a stretch of railroad track. Uh, in Pennsylvania in 1832. 
Uh, not a great time for workers or the Irish in America in general. Yeah, that's true. The official story was they all died of cholera and were buried in a mass grave near the tracks on an area called Duffy's Cut. Uh, this was a time when Irish immigrants and especially Irish Catholic immigrants were considered the lowest rung on the social ladder, pretty much. The story goes, there was a man walking home from a tavern in September of 1909, and he claimed to see a mysterious green-blue figure, in fact, several of them, dancing along the side of the track, the area where the immigrants were allegedly buried. Documents quote the witnesses saying, I saw with my own eyes the ghosts of the Irishmen who died with cholera a month ago, dancing around the big trench where they were buried. It's true, mister. It was awful. He said it was glowing green ghosts? Yeah, kind of a greenish blue, almost neon colored. So is it possible that they died of radium poisoning? <laughs> Over the years, the exact location of the mass burial pit was lost. And Frank and Bill thought that was a shame. And they decided that they should try to find it. When hmm. Frank and Bill's grandfather passed away, Frank inherited all of his railroad papers and books. And it was quite an extensive collection of valuable uh, books and papers. And one particular file that was labeled the Duffy's Cut File. The Watson's grandfather, whose name was Joseph, started working on the railroad in 1919. And over the years, he worked his way up to a secretary position in the organization. At that time, a man named Martin Clement was president of the railroad between 1935 and 1949, and he was fascinated with the Duffy's Cut story and collected letters and written reflections from former railroad workers who had connections with the event. Uh, he had heard stories from many locals about ghostly sightings along the train tracks, and he was determined to properly memorialize these men who had been so shoddily cast aside. Okay. When Clement retired, he gave all of his papers, including the file, to Bill and Frank's grandfather. According to the Hidden City website, Frank said his grandfather, quote, put the papers in the original processing order. He was something of an archivist himself, a historian for the railroad. He had one of the preeminent collections of rare railroad books. That's hard to say. It is rare railroad books in America. And among his collection was the Duffy's Cut file. Aha. Uh -huh. Initially, they didn't do anything with uh, their grandfather's papers. Two decades went by. And then they finally delved into it. And the ghost story element was clearly the centerpiece of the Duffy's Cut file. It contained anecdote citations and, ref and reflections from railroad workers. The two men kept going back to the file for information on the location of the mass grave. They wanted to find this place and mm. set, set a memorial up for them. One of the documents they discovered literally said, X marks the spot. They decided to start poking around this area. And initially, they found some forks and shards from tobacco pipes. And they took this information that they had from the file, and they combined it with the story that the man who saw the dancing ghosts recalled. And they were able to reconstruct, based on the description of the location, where he supposedly had seen the ghosts. So five years, they looked for this mass grave. 
They continued to find artifacts like shoe buckles and buttons, utensils, dishware, and that sort of thing. But it wasn't until 2009 when they brought in a geophysicist to use ground-penetrating radar that their luck changed. They again used the story of the ghosts dancing up and down to pinpoint the location where the ghosts had allegedly been seen. Mm -hmm. The witness gave landmark accounts and things like that. So they tried to create from the letter exactly where the person would have been standing if they saw this. And they found what they thought was the location and they used the ground penetrating radar. Bill said, quote, We were standing on a particular spot and thought, this must be it. We did the survey, and by damn, that's where the grave was. Wow. And so they started digging, and what they found surprised them. Seven skeletons in coffins, not a mass grave. And when the remains were sent to the University of Pennsylvania for forensic analysis, Mm -hmm. what they found was even more surprising. The anthropologist conducting the research said... That if they had cholera, that's not what killed them. Oh. There were signs of extreme violence. It was pretty clear, according to the forensic analysis, that the seven skeletons excavated had been brutally murdered. Oh, no. Violently, most with bullet holes in their heads. The average worker was 22 years old and about five and a half feet tall. One of the seven skulls showed extreme signs of brutality, almost overkill. This was the tallest of the men. So they thought that because he was closer to six feet, maybe he was able to fend off his attackers for a bit. His skull ended up having a five-inch axe blow on one side and a gunshot wound on the crown of his head. And then the coffins were all nailed shut with over a hundred nails. Wow, that seems... Excessive. A lot, yeah. This may have been because they there was a fear that uh, they had cholera. Oh, or okay. Yeah, I'm, but I'm confused. Why would their ghosts be dancing if they had been brutally murdered? Maybe it was an angry dance. You don't know. An angry dance. Sure, people can dance in their. Could own. I see an example of what an angry <laughs> dance might look like? It's for science. Oh, uh, no. The other 50 skeletons have not been exhumed. But they are there? No. Oh. They are not located in this area. It appears as if the bodies had been moved. So they continued to survey the ground in the surrounding area, and they found a, a huge anomaly next to the current Amtrak line. In the 1870s, workers for the railroad were straightening what was called the Sugartown Curve section of the line. It's thought that maybe they mistakenly dug into this mass grave during the process Uh while taking dirt to build up a new embankment Mm -hmm. for the railroad. Railroad. I can't say railroad. (laughs) Railroad. For the railroad. Finding bodies probably would have spooked them. This, again, would have been 40, 45 years after the initial uh, incident. And it's likely they just collected the bones and dumped them in another mass grave. And that would explain this other anomaly that they found. So why were these Irish Catholic railroad workers executed? It was probably a combination of things, like you mentioned before. People resented the Irish uh, in those days. They were coming in. They were underbidding local labor. And the fact that these workers were Catholic as well, that didn't help. When word got around that cholera had broken out 
Among the workers, it appears as if a vigilante group formed. The Irish crew was surrounded and killed with axes and firearms. Oh my goodness. The men were then thrown into a mass grave and the story was hushed up. Not just by the locals, but also the railroad and specifically the foreman in charge of that section of the track. He was the one responsible for hiring labor. Ah. Uh. He didn't want word to get back to Ireland because this was cheap labor and he was exploiting it. So maybe there weren't ghosts dancing on the graves yearning for some sort of closure or recognition. But the fact is that this story has been carried down for nearly two centuries and was the catalyst for the discovery of not only the mass grave, but the discovery of these men who were most likely murdered. My source information Wikipedia, Hidden City website, and the Sun newspaper. Duffy's cut. That's fun. I mean, not that, I mean, the story itself isn't fun, but I like it when uh, you maybe have a story or a fable or a, a, like an old wives' tale Mm -hmm. that has a basis of truth so that there's actually history and something interesting connected to your story. In a very real way. Their spirits, or the story of their spirits, helped solve a couple of mysteries. Hmm. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something, if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids, and they live about 3,000 miles away, and my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life... 
Aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout and you will save thanks aura frames for bringing my family a little bit closer and now that thing in the middle here's something you might not realize your belly button is filthy the belly button is so dirty scientists are finding new unknown bacteria inside one person had bacterium previously found only on Japanese soil, and he had never been to Japan. Amy sent us uh, an email. I have a couple of things I want to share with you. One is I work for my parents, and I'm often in the back room doing inventory alone. It's rare that someone will come through, so I listen to your podcast on a speaker. It never fails. Someone will walk through only when something not safe for work is being said, such as, quote, a box of dicks, <laughs> just as my dad walked through. I do love the funny looks I get, though. Number two, I just finished box 273, vampire cramps. My aunt, my mother, and I all have EPP. That's short for anthropoietic protoporphia. It's an accumulation of uh, protoporphins in red, red blood cells, and it's quite painful, especially if you're, you're, you're photosensitive. If you go out in the sun, it's, oh, wow. it's, it's pretty bad. We have never craved nor drank blood, but we have found that going into a tanning bed and tanning helps us before we go into the sun. Huh. My aunt and mother, when they've been in the sun too long, look like they've been beaten with a bat. They are black and blue and swollen. They get itchy, but it hurts to scratch. Only ice helps with the pain. Oh. I haven't let it get that far with me. I swell and I get hives and itchy. That's when I leave the sun. We all have huge sun hats and long gloves for our arms. So many people throughout our lives have, have called us vampires. We often only go out on cloudy days or nighttime. I work at Renaissance fairs. And people always tell me instead of being a belly dancer, I should be a vampire. Thank you for the amazing podcast. You both go together like peanut butter and jelly. Amy. Thank, Amy. Thanks, thank Amy. you. Thanks, Amy. That's incredible. Um, I shouldn't sound so happy about your disorder. Sorry. <laughs> but that has been historically one of the reasons why people thought other people were vampires. That was one of the conditions that, that led to it. And also people who suffered from tuberculosis back in the day. Sure. Sexy, sexy tuberculosis. Mm -hmm. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. 
The Nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever wondered what really happened to Amelia Earhart or the lost colony of Roanoke? Do you ever find yourself scouring the internet for vicious Victorians and their murders by gaslight? Or perhaps you're just sick and tired of women being constantly misrepresented or plain lied about throughout history. If so, join me, Katie Charlwood, history harlot and reader of books on Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Part of the Airwave Media Network. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Adios, au revoir, au revoir, zen, my friends. Bye-bye. I'll be seeing you. We didn't grow up wanting to be the curator. It just kind of happened. Now more of The Box of Oddities. What you got for me? Cats. Cats. Cats love boxes. This is not a shock to anyone, mm. I, don't, I don't think. Uh, we all know that domestic cats love a good box. Uh, and the internet has shown us that even uh, if we've never owned a cat of our own, uh, even big cats love boxes. You've seen videos of lions getting into cardboard boxes. I've not seen that. What? Oh, yeah. No. Like a a refrigerator box? You and I I probably don't have the same TikTok algorithm, (laughs) but uh, mine is largely large cats. Getting into... Getting into boxes. boxes. Yeah, no. Uh, leopards, bobcats, lynx, all fond of boxes. If you give an animal, I mean, a, a large cat, on like a reserve or something, a cardboard box, they'll get into it. No kidding. They love it. And there are a lot of interesting theories as to why cats are so pro-box. Um, and, you know, a lot of them just make a lot of good sense. Uh, cats are very playful and curious. They mm-hmm. want to check out what, what this thing is about. Uh, also, their predator instincts are credited as one of the reasons. They like to have a place to hide and wait for you to walk by so they can launch out and attack your ankles. Right. That makes sense. Right. Um, also... Warmth, of course, a smaller space, a cardboard box, especially being insulated, you know, they can keep their body heat all in there. And cats tend to like it warmer than we do. So even in a house that we would think is properly warmed, the cat probably is like, ah, this is chilly. That's why they sleep in the sun, I That's would imagine. right. Lots okay. of basking in the cat world. I also like to bask. Also, it lowers cat stress. It's been proven in shelter cats, working with domesticated cats in an animal shelter. Researchers provided hiding boxes for a group of newly arrived cats while depriving another group of them entirely. And it was significant, the difference in stress levels between the cats Mm -hmm. and how quickly they became used to their surroundings and acclimated to the people that they were encountering. 
But I would think that's not just cats. Maybe it's more pronounced in the in the feline world, but we got a washing machine box mm-hmm. and you made a Ford out of it. I do love getting into boxes. You yeah. do. You you brought in your phone. You had a little movie going on your phone and mm-hmm. a blanket in there. It was really quite cozy. I made a door for Banjo mm-hmm. and he let himself in. It was the cutest thing I'd ever seen. <sighs> but the... the uh, extent that I will go to fit into a box does not come anywhere near to uh, how a cat will will make it work, if you will. Gabriella Smith, who is an animal cognition scientist at Hunter College's Thinking Dog Center in New York, went to a lecture on how dogs react to visual illusions and then went home and was playing with her roommate's cat Mm -hmm. and she started thinking i wonder you know if a cat's tendency to sit in squares and boxes and such uh, will translate to illusionary squares the researcher's motivation in this case was not to test how much cats love boxes because we all know um, but how they would react to the perception of visual illusions. So researchers recruited 500 humans and their cats for the citizen science project called If I Fits, I Sits. <laughs> I love any study that rhymes. Yeah, well, if I, <laughs> if I fits, I sits is one of my favorite hashtags on Twitter. So... Um, They asked these citizens and their cats to perform a series of experiments at home. Uh, Gabriella noted that it's known that cats behave most naturally in their familiar settings, like their home. So asking citizens to conduct these experiments at home just made more sense than trying to bring cats into a lab. Oh, sure. In this experiment, they used the Kanitsa illusion, um, which we're all pretty familiar with. Um, It's where you can see surfaces such as triangles and squares with contours that aren't present. So the illusion of the shape is introduced by edges showing the illusionary contour of the thing, but not the thing itself. Gotcha. So imagine the four Pac-Men facing a central point, Mm -hmm. and you can visualize the square illusion, right? Right. So the fake squares were made using four circles with 90-degree angles cut out of them, the the Pac-Man, and each right angle was used to create the illusion of the square's corners. Using paper and tape, they created these corners. So again, the... Shape is not there, but the edges were created to give the illusion of the shape. Almost like using negative space? Yes, exactly. The owners were then instructed to avoid interaction with their cats and wear sunglasses to avoid eye contact with their cats. They were then instructed to film their pet's behavior when presented with the Kanitsa square, as well as an actual square taped onto the floor and a control scenario involving the components of the Kanitsa square, but that were arranged in a way that didn't create the illusion of a square. You get what I'm saying? I do. Okay. So just kind of four Pac-Mans hanging out, nimbly bimbly. So they were obviously looking to see if there was a preference for sitting inside any of the shapes that was presented to them or that were presented to them. Oh, my goodness. So sorry about that. In order for it to, quote-unquote, count, 
the cats had to sit for more than three seconds within the first five minutes of entering the room. And this must have been a strug because only 30 cat owners completed the experiment (laughs) in its entirety of six days. So, again, they started with 300. (laughs) Well, cats have their own ideas. They really do. So from the sample size of 30 cats, nine cats consistently chose to sit in one of the shapes. Those nine cats sat on the regular square eight times. The perfect Kanitsa square seven times. And only the misshapen Kanitsa fake square once. And that was a cat named Totoro, um, who I love because he's like... I'm going to mess up your study. (laughs) Anyway, this indicated that they were susceptible to the illusion of the square. And the discovery informs us, according to Gabriella Smith, about the evolution of their vision, specifically their sensitivity to contours and how it compares to humans and other animals. Which I think is super interesting because it makes so much sense. They might have a better perception of what shapes are from different angles. They might have better concepts of space. Again, it goes back to their predatory instincts. Right. And we have kind of devolved in that arena. You know, we're more of the... We've devolved in many arenas. (laughs) This is true. Now, the scientists noted that they would like to do the experiment again and hopefully have more cats finish the study. (laughs) Um, And what they would do is increase the number of participants, but decrease the number of days that they asked them to participate. And they also would like to add a 3D Kanitsa square next. So kind of like an empty cube type space. Maybe they could make little... Oculus Quest 2 goggles for the cats. You just want to talk about the Oculus Quest 2, We got two, an Oculus you? Quest 2. That's fun. I got my information from IFL Science, Live Science, and the Smithsonian. Do you want to talk more about the new toy? The Oculus 2? Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Um, it's really fun. And um, after the Easter debacle, I was then told the Oculus was your gift. Well, it came a day early, but uh-huh. yeah. And you ordered it without me. Well, that's usually how you buy gifts for and, people. Uh huh. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> but you popped out of the bathroom going, I got bored and I ordered an Oculus. <laughs> so that cool. to me didn't feel gifty. I was I was constipated. Mm-hmm. I was in there for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Any hoozle. Thanks for hanging out with us, you guys. Oh, I want to thank our our recent patrons. And by that, I mean, I want you to thank them because you have the information on your phone. Oh, big thanks to Isaac, Mindra, Emma and Chris. Welcome and thank you. If you want to listen to the Box of Oddities ad-free, get the episodes a day early. Lots of other perks, too. Like, we have a Zoom call coming up this week. A Zoom... I hate using the word meeting because that sounds stodgy. It's a a Zoom call. It's a Zoom... A Zoom boom. Hangs, sir. Yeah. That's what the kids say. Hangs, sir. The youngsters? Yeah. They say that. (laughs) You know what that sounds like is what someone in their 50s would write... Someone in their teens saying in the 80s. I think I just time traveled trying to figure that out. (laughs) 
Anyway, if you would like to join the Order of Freaks and support us on Patreon, you can find the link at our website, theboxofoddities.com. And we can't wait to see you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. This feels weird. And fly it proudly, beautiful freak. I didn't like it. (laughs) And so, let it be known that the Box of Oddities belongs to you. And its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you. To provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2022. All rights reserved. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.